0: From a time without organized women's sports, to when women comprised 44% of athletes at the 2012 London Olympics, to when Sarah Thomas was hired as the first female NFL referee in 2015, women have come a long way within the sports industry. However, the journey to equality, or as close to equality as possible, is not yet completed. Though often unintentional and sometimes unnoticed, women in the realm of sports business still frequently experience microaggressions. Identifying these microaggressions and combating them, though somewhat of a difficult task, is a necessary step to continue the journey towards gender equality within the sports industry and ultimately to better the sports industry as a whole. Welcome to Women in Sports, a podcast segment where I will share some experiences of women in the sports industry that reveal gender-based microaggressions and address the identification and prevention of these microaggressions, as well as the importance of fighting back against them. To hear their stories and see their perspectives, I talked to four women. Jessica Berman, Deputy Commissioner of the National Lacrosse League. Kim Romedo, Vice President and Chief Information Officer of the Miami Dolphins and Hard Rock Stadium. Kirsten Seckler, Chief Marketing and Communications Officer at Shatterproof and former Chief Brand Officer at the Special Olympics. And Laura Sandall, Vice President of Marketing at the Miami Dolphins. We'll start by listening to segments of Jessica Berman's experiences. Berman first addressed how she has pretty much exclusively seen and experienced smaller microaggressions rather than bigger injustices, but that sometimes the small microaggressions can add up to something a lot bigger.
1: It's more of, you know, if you read about inclusion and work like so so social research that's done with marginalized groups they talk about microaggressions you know it's like these little things that seem really small but like over time they sort of add up i've never really experienced like big things like being sexually harassed or like feeling like i was passed over because i'm a woman or you know it's more of those like little moments like not being included in a meeting or having someone speak over me in a meeting or me say something in a meeting and someone, and like, it's no one seems to find it compelling. And then like the guy says it and everybody's like, that's a great idea. And I'm like, huh? Like I just said that like one minute ago. That's so weird. You know, like it's those littler things. Um, but again, because they're small, For some people, honestly, when they become cumulative, it's it's hard. For me, I just try to like, you know, shake it off and just. If I see a pattern with certain people, I just do what I can to avoid them.
0: Next, Berman acknowledged the difficulties in identifying and addressing these microaggressions and the ramifications that can stem from these difficulties.
1: Because it's also harder to identify. Yeah. Definitely. And it's harder to address because they feel small. Yeah. And so you feel kind of dumb. Like, you didn't invite me to a meeting, you know? But it feels like, I was trying to talk, and you talked over me. Like, you yeah. feel like you're, like, a whiner. But it's like, no, this is real. Like, th- there's a pattern here, you know? And it's like, is, am I crazy or are they crazy, <laughs> you know? Like, when you're dealing with those microaggressions, you're like always trying to be like am I being overly sensitive or is this real would this have happened if it were a man like or is this more just like personal maybe he just doesn't like me and it's nothing to do with the fact that I'm a woman like it's it's very hard when they're small to like really know you know am I letting my emotions get the best of me um let me try to be objective about this You know, is it a one-time thing? Is it a pattern of behavior? Is it, like, the whole organization is just this one person? It's hard. Like, when you get not hired, and someone says, you know, back in, like, the 60s, when people would be like, I'm not hiring you because you're potentially childbearing. It's, like, that's pretty easy to, like, blow the whistle. Like, that's not okay. Like, you can't say you're not hiring me because I'm childbearing, you know. But the stuff we're dealing with now isn't like that not like overt like that. It's more just like the undercurrents that I think for some in some situations it probably is like a little bit your emotions getting the best of you because we've been conditioned to think like you know we're not getting a fair chance but then there are real situations where you're like no this is not right and like knowing how to raise it it's hard because it's not like a huge thing like it's not like you got fired it's not like you didn't get hired it's not you know, it's these small things over and over and over that make you be like, forget this, I'm out, you know? And then, and that's why they're saying now what you're seeing is a lot of women entering the workforce like at the junior levels, but not staying. Because it's like that repetitive demoralizing experience is like, this is not worth my time. Like I'm just, I'd rather like, I know I'm super smart and I know I went to law school and I know You know, I have a lot to offer, but, like, if they don't want my contribution, I'm just going to stay home with my kids. And that's what a lot of people are doing, people have done. And so, like, the workforce doesn't get the benefit of all those women who are, like, super smart, who wanted to work, but then had, like, a negative experience.
0: Lastly, Berman also talked about the need to address these situations in order to resolve them and prevent them in the future.
1: Yeah, I think... um, because I think most of the people who are kind of perpetuating that, um, they're probably not doing it consciously. It's very subconscious. So I think as I've gotten into more of a position of power and have that privilege to be able to address those kinds of situations, I've tried to, um, as opposed to just like avoiding it and Focusing on my self-preservation, which, which you have to do as you're like ascending and trying to get respect for your own work. But I've tried to when I see it. I had a situation a few years ago where I saw like one of those sort of like microaggressions, and I was like, "That's not right." And I I I did force myself to address it. It's actually harder to address than for me at least than to like just ignore it and walk away. But there's no, like, teachable moment if you don't try to do something about it. So I've been trying to, when I can, it's like I don't always feel like I have the authority or position of power to address it, but when I do, I really try to respectfully, not like in a public way that's going to embarrass somebody, but always just assume that people have good intentions and that they're just didn't realize how their language or body language or behavior was impacting someone else and just helped them to see it from a different perspective.
0: We will now turn to Kim Romedo to hear pieces of her story and her experiences. First, Romedo explained that she hasn't seen many discriminatory actions in her time in sports. However, she does believe that gender inclusiveness is an area with room for improvement.
2: I think there is, I think what we, what needs to be focused on isn't actual diversity, gender diversity, it's inclusiveness. Uh, Where I've seen, where I've seen opportunities for advancement is actually, you know, the inclusiveness of, of women in, in more conversations, like have, you know, have the, have, you know, it's, it's great to hire the, the women, but if you don't include them in things, then it doesn't really matter. Right. So, so that would be the only thing that I've seen is that sometimes it's, you know, some, something is, is made, like some decision is made in a room full of men and it comes secondhand and it's like, Hey, it would have been really great had you had another perspective on that. So-
0: Romedo then acknowledged that future change needs to come from the individual level
2: people have to pause and, and they have to, I think it, it's an individual way. While there are wonderful corporate efforts, I think it's actually very personal. I mean, look at the meeting planner, look at who you could be excluding, look at who you could be including. Uh, that, that to me, I think it's it's really that individual effort that has to be put forth because I think the, the orgs in general are trying really hard for that diverse perspective Um, but if you personally aren't taking the time to say who am I excluding or whose perspective could I really benefit from Uh, we won't see that change and I think I think sports you know sports is a really really fast-paced environment Uh, change happens very rapidly and so people don't don't pause. So it's not it's not malicious, and and honestly, it's not even intentional. It's just they don't pause to say, you know, what I could I could really benefit from this person's perspective, uh, because they they came they came from you know a community that we're looking to try to get more um, you know more participation from, mm-hmm. and, and that that doesn't that doesn't really happen today, and and I don't think that that happens, you know, in talking to my peers, that doesn't happen across.
0: next we will listen to parts of kirsten seckler's experiences seckler emphasized that she definitely had felt microaggressions due to her gender within her time in the sports industry specifically centered around a lack of respect and they fueled her to break through gender barriers it's
3: you know for some reason um there, there's just a lot of catch-up that has to be done of, of people taking women seriously in sports, whether they're playing sports, whether they're reper- reporting on sports, whether they're marketing on sports, whether they're even having just a conversation about sports. Um, and it's, um, you know, often, you know, they're dismissed at, a, at just the conversation. So, um, so I guess I, I, I kind of knew this growing up, and... So, yeah, it just kind of fueled me to be like, yeah, time to break through. Mm
0: -hmm. Additionally, Seckler acknowledged that while some people who are attempting to push for gender equality in the sports industry have good intentions, their actions are sometimes very ineffective.
3: Um, And I think, honestly, people are making steps in the right direction. And they mean well, but sometimes um, just having worked in the area of discrimination and stigma for so long, I the conscious and unconscious bias happens and I think people think they're they're meaning, oh well we mean well. We're gonna have this special conference just for women to honor women and it's like, no, the whole point is that you need to honor the best in the the best in the industry and make sure that women are a part of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to have women in the same recognition as men, I think, is is really where we need to be going. Um, We're not carving out space just for women. I think it is important for women to have that space to mentor and to be together and to talk about these types of issues. Um, But when it comes to recognition, when it comes to um,
4: equality in the workplace, that's...
0: Lastly, we will turn to Laura Sandall to learn about her perspective and her experiences. Sandal described how open-mindedness, especially centered around learning about the struggles of others and seeing things from new perspectives, can be key to minimizing microaggressions and ultimately moving closer to gender equality in the sports field.
4: You know, I had this conversation the other day. It's like, I don't know what it's like to be a black man. Right. I don't know what it's like to be, you know, a white man for that matter, because that's I'm not. And mm-hmm. I don't I shouldn't expect that, uh, you know, a white man or a black man knows what it's like to be a woman. Right. You know, it's just mm-hmm. but we ha- but that's where we have to be open to learning and, you know, be a continuous learner. You know, no matter how old you are and realize and recognize that everybody has kind of innate um. You know like like things that they just don't know, right? You don't know what you don't know.
0: Additionally, Sandal also emphasized that in order to see change, organizations and individuals must make gender inclusion and equality a priority, even if it means working a little bit harder.
4: Um, the people who are are running HR and recruiting um, at, at all the you know sports organizations need to make it a, a priority. Mm -hmm. And not just not just talk. Right. Like, oh, well, I'm just going to hire this person because she's a woman. But like make it a priority. And that means that that means a little bit harder work. Right. So you might have two candidates. One's a man, one's a woman. Or or if you were looking at it from a multicultural, you know, place the same thing. And you could be like, well, you know, this this man actually has a little bit more experience. And I think, you know, is really a better fit for the role. Well, maybe you haven't looked hard enough. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you might have to actually look harder or spend more time recruiting because you want to make sure that you've got um, a diverse workplace. Um, So if you suddenly are looking around and you're like any organization is looking around and everybody at the leadership level is a white male, you know, at the next open position, you might have to work really hard because it could be really easy because there's a white male right over there across the street that could be super easy to hire because he's got the experience, he's really smart, he's really talented. Okay, well, you know what? No, I'm going to be purposeful about this. I'm going to take extra time. I'm going to spend more time and I'm going to have to recruit outside of the state or I'm going to have to go to a different um, industry, but I, I am determined that I'm going to bring in a diverse candidate. You know what I mean? So, I, so it's a little bit of that you, that I think organizations are going to have to just, A, make it a priority, but B, might have to work harder
0: definitely come a long way within the sports industry. However, microaggressions still affect women, and despite maybe not being a huge deal individually, they can really add up and have an impact. Action must be taken to minimize these microaggressions, both because it's just morally correct and through including more diverse perspectives and thus allowing organizations to make the best decisions for both themselves and their fans, it will end up bettering the sports industry as a whole in the long run.